listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. We're excited to announce that we've got a new member of our village. Baby James Austin Ferris has joined us, and we're so excited for you, Lauren and James, and celebrating you while you're on maternity leave. This episode was pre-recorded in advance of the baby's birth. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm still not Jen. (laughs) Nope, you are not. Never. You are Lauren, and we, together, are your resident best friends, here to help you along your relationship journey, especially with all of this craziness going on in the world where relationships are now more important than ever before. That is correct. Think of us as your fun fairies like we've always been. We are a constant for you. We are always going to bring joy to the process of dating, relationships, connections, anything we can. We are here to help you. We want to sprinkle love dust all over the damn place because it takes a village and we are your community. And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend. Please tell your friends, share. This is helpful, you guys. It you know, proves that we've got this loyal and growing audience. And then it allows us to bring you fabulous offers as we have been doing. It keeps the lights running in our village and contributing to the village. And so we thank you for your contributions. So most of us haven't had much or any human contact in a while. So not doing sex may be a byproduct of the pandemic. We think isolation has changed the dating game for good. So we're wondering if there really is something to be said for waiting to do the deed, even after the safer at home ban is lifted, which is why we are bursting, get it, with excitement to have best-selling author of Why Waiting Works, founder of CityFam, and speaker of the Truth About Sex Tour, Rob Kowalski, on the show. We're going to discuss what a reformed bad boy thinks about dating and relationships, why he thinks it's practical to save sex for marriage, why socializing with the right people can help you become the best version of yourself, and how to stay connected during hard times. This is so many good things that could definitely be applied to right now and or future thoughts, processes, all of it. So Rob is a self-proclaimed reformed bad boy. Once the biggest stripper and nightclub promoter in his hometown of Baltimore, he had a radical life-changing encounter with Jesus that transformed him forever. His testimony from life of excess to redemption has inspired millions of people from around the world already. Rob became passionate about finding a community of like-minded people that, like him, were searching for fun without regret, as well as wanting to make a positive contribution to society. When he couldn't find it, because he was good at bringing people together, of course, and getting the word out, he created CityFam and currently serves as the chairman of the board of directors for this foundation. Rob's story has been featured in numerous publications, including Daily Mirror, Chat, Daily Mail, Antenna Stars, Trinitas, God TV, and others. His mess has become his message, and he's about to tell us 10 reasons not to have sex before marriage. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you for having me, Lauren and Jen. Oh, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing amidst all of this craziness? Uh, About as well as can be expected. I'm actually quarantining with some people uh, in the nonprofit I started down here in Houston, Texas, and we are being uh, very intentional and productive with our time trying to you know, make the most of it while the rest of the world's taking a nap. We're, we're doing some things that we've, um, you know, neglected because of other responsibilities. So it, it's actually pr- probably been a blessing in disguise for us. Yeah. I mean, that's how I think it would be great if everyone viewed it that way. You know, it's like this time we would have never gotten otherwise to really focus inward or on these projects that we couldn't get to because we were so busy with the day-to-day of everyday life. But like, that's almost the focus we've been having on this show is what can you do now that will benefit you in the future? So one of those things is talking to you about why people should wait, obviously. And, you know, we know people might have to wait right now anyway, because they're being forced to be apart. But, you know, we just have to dive right in. Single, taken, or it's complicated. Me? <laughs> Single. 
All right. So you are in the same boat as many of our listeners, including myself. And so are you quarantining? You're just like with some people that you're working with. So obviously not a significant other. No, not a significant other. I've actually, yeah, I don't think there's anyone that's lived at more polar ends of the spectrum when it comes to sex as I have. So I've, I used to have a lot of casual sex. And then when I, uh, you know, I turned my life around in but 20 years ago, it was in 2000, the year 2000, I, I was absent for six years. And then for the most part, I've been waiting for the last eight years. I kind of fell off in the middle there for a while, but um, yeah, I'm kind of used to be being alone and, and uh, this quarantine thing isn't really anything new, new to me. It, I, it still hasn't become easy. Let me just say that, but yeah, um, I'm, uh, I'm not with anyone, you know, anyone romantically now or not for the last uh, couple of years. Well, you're not, it sounds like, again, like this is intentional for you. So a lot of people who obviously now are quarantined and who happen to be single or maybe are just live alone, so they're quarantined by themselves, are having to make adjustments and get a little bit creative with how to stay connected and live their regular lives, but isolated. You just, if for you, it was an intentional choice. So it's probably not rocking your world as crazy as it is it for other people who like don't feel like it's their choice? I mean, you're probably a lot better at navigating through it and figuring out like, well, I've kind of been doing this before, but it's actually kind of awesome because you're not just dating to date or um, out of boredom or, you know, everything you're doing is much more intentional. So it, it feels like you even said like the world's taking a nap right now and you're working on this nonprofit. So when it comes to that, actually, um, I think that's a great example that could probably be used in any aspect of your life. But mm-hmm. for the nonprofit, can you tell us about what that is and then how you're staying motivated to keep, because, you know, you can make excuses. Oh, I can't have this meeting tomorrow because I can't see someone face to face. So how are you continuing to keep that going? And then what is the nonprofit and what do you guys do? Yeah. Thank you for asking. The name of the nonprofit City Fam, And we started five years ago and it was really based off of uh me trying to become a better version of myself. I was a club promoter. I was a stripper when I was uh, in my twenties, you know, just crazy lifestyle. Life was a party for the most part. Um, you know, I always preface this part to say city fam isn't faith-based, but what happened for me is I became a Christian when I was uh, 27 years old and all of a sudden life got really boring. <laughs> I was going to church on Sundays and I thought the people there were very nice, but I didn't feel like they were like me. Like, and so for the most part, I, Fridays and Saturdays would come around and I just didn't know what to do or who to deal with. And I didn't want to date out of loneliness because women were always my kryptonite. And I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to spend time with a girl just because I was lonely. I was really believing that if I, you know, stayed out of trouble long enough, um, God would bring me a wife. So it turned into lo- a long period of abstinence. And, and it was during that time that I went from someone that had no understanding of, um, you know, waiting or why, why someone would, you know, prolong getting physical to really, um, you know, becoming really aware of, of the, the practical benefits. So, but, you know, at the same time, again, life was very boring, you know, I was sitting around with, with nothing to do and no one to do it with. So eventually after six years of, of kind of, you know, being a good Christian boy, for lack of a better term, I went back to the bars because I wanted a social life again. And, you know, one by one, I started picking up my bad habits to the point where over the next couple of years, I spiraled to the down to the point where I was really pretty much the same person I had been before ever attempting to make changes. So rededicated in 2011 in my life to God. And then went through the exact same period where, you know, basically every, every weekend night I'm sitting around renting Redbox movies until eventually I was like, there's this, if this is what people have to go through when they're trying to make positive changes, we have to fix it because no one will do it. It's just too difficult. Like no one's, people aren't going to sit around by themselves forever. Like there has to be some balance of, okay, doing the right thing and having a good time and enjoying life. So started organizing social events you know, to get mostly to give myself something to do. And what I saw was when you got people into healthy community, uh, they start to change, they become a better version of themselves. And so, you know, I'm organizing all these social events around my, my hometown of Baltimore city. 
Maryland. And then I was doing a lot of, uh, a lot of, I started organizing a lot of service events, a lot of volunteer events because I was volunteering through my church and I liked the way it made me feel, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to organize uh, service events with any religious affiliation. Cause I didn't, I felt like that was a barrier to entry for people to come. So we had this group now that was like socializing together, they're serving together. And I just saw really cool changes happen for people. Like people got sober and people broke up with their shitty boyfriend or girlfriend because they now they had friends and things to do. So they didn't need to stay in a toxic relationship. And I just saw like, you know, miraculous changes happen in the lives of people strictly through the power of healthy community. And um, that's really what City Fam is about. It's about, you know, becoming the best version of ourselves holding each other accountable, but still enjoying life in the process. That's So that's what City Fam is. That's awesome. Do you, now is it local or is it like a national organization at this point? Yeah. So we have, we have chapters in Baltimore. We have one here in Houston and we have some groups meeting in different places around the country, like Seattle, Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Dallas, Texas. I think there was one in Montreal that may have fizzled out. New York City um, has some activity. So the way it's worked for, you know, how, how it started to spread is as you know, I'm going through this, this process of, um, you know, trying to become a better version of myself. And again, women were my kryptonite. So I was like, really, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, I decided I was going to save sex for marriage. So I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm super bored, but I have a really good understanding of, of, the practical benefits of waiting from lived living at polar ends of the spectrum. So I made a video called 10 reasons not to have sex before marriage. And I posted it on YouTube. And at the end of the video, I, I mentioned city fam. I just like, you know, 10 seconds, I mentioned city fam. So the video went viral, became the number one video in the world on YouTube for waiting. And now I get all these people reaching out to me going, Hey, we're waiting. And we're, you know, exactly what you're talking about. We're bored too. How do we start one of these? So people start reaching out, uh, from literally everywhere, all over the world, and and we were like, okay, now we need to figure out how to create a process so that anyone can have one, because, um, you know, it, it, specifically when people understand, the, the you know, this is how it's going to play out. Because I'm so passionate about the subject, because I did not understand the concept of waiting. No one explained it to me as a kid. The only time I ever heard anyone talk about waiting was at church and they could never tell you why they just told you not to do it. And, you know, I believe God gave me this gift to be able to explain it to people because I feel like when people understand it, they're like, Oh, that's why things don't, that's why my relationships keep working out like this. Or this is why I keep choosing this, these kind of people. When you understand it, you're more prone to do it, but it's not easy just because you know, it's like exercise just because you know, you know, eating healthy and working out is the right thing to do. It doesn't mean it's easy to do, but People do do it once they understand it. So that's the goal is to help people understand it and then help surround them with a community of people that can help them make that journey. And it, and City Fam isn't the abstinent group. So let me also say that there's probably tons of people in the group that are having sex, you know, outside of marriage. But it is it is for me. It's 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 a standard that I want to explain to people and say, look, you don't have to do it. Just like you don't have to work out. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna explain to you. This is how it will work out probably for real if you do it, and this is how it's gonna work out if you don't do it. And that that's so great too because I think you're just approaching it from a very real perspective. With some people who might be you know attached to a certain type of religion and they might be having they might have a fine time waiting with not a, an explanation except for just that's what my religion told me and so that's right. what I'm doing and that probably works for some people but i think for the masses it seems to me that it's much more relatable to say okay i'm making this choice i'm intentional about it but it's easier for me to do it if i know why it's going yeah. to make sense and what the benefits are and it sounds like you know i mean if i decided to wait and, and not have sex before, you know, marriage or in a relationship, I would be bored too. I feel, I feel like that makes sense. Like yeah. you don't want to go out and tempt yourself. So now you're stuck at home and it sounds like it's, there's no gray area and this is what right. you're providing with city fam, but what are, okay. So if you're talking about understanding why having sex before marriage is going to produce some positive benefits or take you out of this like toxic cycle of relationships you've been having. And obviously people, a lot of people have seen this video, but can you go over some like things that are like, this is why you should be doing this. This is like, this is the deal. Yeah. I love to. So actually my favorite thing to talk about. 
So, you know, I always start with the numbers. Okay. Because numbers don't lie. You could, people, your listeners could be like, this guy's full of shit. What does he know? Whatever. But if you look at the, the, just the stats. So people that marry as virgins only have a 6% divorce rate. So there's 94% of the time they do not get divorced. People that don't wait, which is pretty much everybody, right? 97% of, of the population does not wait to get married, has a 50% divorce rate, okay? And th- th- that's that's pretty scary right there. But the next question I think is even scarier is like, okay, what percentage of the other 50% that stay married is happy? Because I don't think it's that high. Right. I, I had to guess it's probably 20% and it could be lower than that, which would mean that if your odds of going about it the way that everybody else does, which is starting sex, quit, you know, having sex quickly, starting your relationship with one on the first date, third date, third date is the average, by the way, and having sex, you're, you're, the odds are stacked against you that you're going to be happily married. And that's just fact. And the reason that I believe that this is true, the, that why it works out like this is because human beings are sticky. You know, like we don't just... It's not like people say you got to take it for a test drive, right? The people, and I've heard that argument a million times, except people aren't cars. I'm like, well, do you buy milk if somebody took it for a test sip? You know, no, of course not, right? So you you can't just compare people to inanimate objects. But the thing is, is like, if if I posed to all your listeners and said, how about this? Okay, no sex before marriage. I get it. It sounds extreme. It sounds extreme to me too, right? It's like 100 years ago. Who, Who does that, right? Here's, here's what I would ask them. Okay, how about this? No sex before love. What do you think about that? Does that sound reasonable? Some people, I would think more, more people are going to say, well, yes, I can get my mind around that because sex before love, let's be real, can produce kids out of wedlock, which could lead to, or you know, pregnancies at least, which could lead to abortions and adoptions and single parent homes and loveless relationships and lots of, lots of things that aren't good. So let's, most people can get their minds around no sex before love. So my next question would be, okay, how do you know if you're in love? Because I say you'd marry the person to prove it to yourself and to them. Because I could say to you, Lauren, hey, I love you. Let's have sex. And you'd be like, okay, I love you too, Rob. Let's just run to the justice of the peace real quick. That would change the conversation. Because right. I'd be like, mm, let me think about this a little longer. Because now I want to see yeah. if I'm lying to myself. Because I might be, because I might just want some tail. And now I'm going to check myself to see, am I really in love? Because otherwise we could sleep together and now we drift into a relationship or we drift into marriage and now we become a statistic. And that's what happens to people all the time because you get yourself in these complicated situations. So I, I, and I'm the king of this because, again, I lived at polar ends of the spectrum. I had so many one night stands and so much casual sex. And what would always happen every time, you know, one of two things, we'd have sex and I would immediately lose interest, which would happen a lot. or Sometimes we would continue sleeping together and we would drift into a relationship, except the relationship was really never that good. And I would always be looking over my shoulder at other women wondering, can I be happier with them? And then eventually we'd stay together probably longer than we should be together. And then when we did break up, it would be super messy. And sometimes we'd get back together, back together, back together. We'd break up, get back together. And it'd be this whole thing. And it was only when I decided to start doing relationship God's way that I realized it, the problem wasn't me because I started to wonder if it was me. I was like, well, maybe I'm not the kind of guy that can fall in love or maybe, you know, human beings aren't supposed to be monogamous or all these things I started to think. I never even considered it was how I started every relationship because I wasn't evaluating them from anything more than physical. I'd see a girl that was hot and I and that's all I needed to know because in the back of my mind, I knew we were going to have sex sooner or later. So that's, that's all I needed to know. When you decide that you're going to choose one, when you're only going to have one, you evaluate from a whole different set of criteria than you would if you weren't, if you didn't have that stance. Because okay. does that make sense? Yeah. So you're saying like you go into it saying, I want to find one person that I want to be with for the rest of my life. And I am looking for this person right now. So I am not going to look at the like little minuscule steps of like, okay, I like this person. I'm attracted to her. Let's have sex or him or whoever. You're looking at it from the bigger overarching umbrella of like, if this person is the one, what things need to happen in order for this person to like start to enter into my life? And sex is not like the first step. 
Yes. I mean, obviously physical attraction is important, but if I know that I'm not having sex until my wedding night, it's only one of many factors. Okay. So then that means that it gives you, it frees up time basically for you to evaluate this person and them with you without clouding it with the physical. So the process of elimination takes over quickly. When you, when you make that decision, you go through the duds so fast. And this is what I tell women because I feel like a lot of women are scared to do this because they think, well, nobody waits. No one will wait for you. You'll be alone forever. And this is what I, t- I challenge them to think about is if a woman would have told the old me that she was waiting till marriage, I would have been like, deuces, I'm out. And she would have done herself a big favor because she would have avoided me because I was, I was a scumbag. If a girl tells me she's waiting now, you know what I do? I lean in. I'm like, really? Because it's like a unicorn. I'm intrigued by it because I've been waiting. So she attracts this me and she repels the old me that wasn't looking for a relationship. Now you know what a girl tells me now. If she tells me she's not waiting, what it does to me? I'm like, deuces, I'm out. Because I've been waiting. I've been working on myself. And I don't want a girl that hasn't been. So you, so so you're going to... You're going to get rid of the duds and you'll attract the right one faster. It might, you might have to go through, go through some, but it's, it's the easiest way, the best strategy for finding true love. So then when you're starting to talk to somebody, let's just say, at what point do you bring up the fact that you're waiting? Because like, you know, if, if I'm just like on these apps and I'm just, you know, seeing who's even out there and possibly interested in me and I'm interested in them, even just by like looking at their profiles. I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily saying right off the bat, like, I'd like to wait, you know, just to even see if we have a connection, a real rooted connection before we enter into that. Like, how would you even phrase it so it doesn't sound like you're super religious or playing games? Yeah. So people ask me when they should tell, and I think it should be early on because don't waste your time. Like, don't, you know, do you don't want, you don't want it to be a bait and switch where you're dating somebody forever and then the pressure builds and you have to, oh, by the way, you know, down the road. So and I think it should be early. Does it have to be on your dating profile? Not necessarily, but I would say in the first or second date. Now, this is what I would challenge people to think about like this, because women say, well, you know, how, you know, what if men won't wait or how do I get them to wait? Like if Beyonce wasn't married to Jay-Z and she was single tomorrow and she came out and said, I'm waiting, there would be a line down the block for her. So the problem isn't the fact that she's waiting. It's it's the problem is is becoming worth waiting for. You have to become more, and you will attract plenty of people that are willing to wait. But you have to take the energy that maybe you're using on bad relationships and put it back into yourself. And so, like, what kinds of things would you put back into yourself? Like, where would you even start? Because now is a yeah. great time to do that. Sure, just become the best version of yourself. You know volunteer, get on leadership, start a business, you know, whatever. Those are just things that I did. You know, I started a nonprofit. I wrote a book. I, you know, got on leadership at my church. I started volunteering a lot. I just took the energy that I was wasting on, you know, dead end relationships and chasing girls. And I just started putting it into myself. And now, you know, I do, I I attract a higher quality girl. And I believe that it works the same for both sexes. It's just, you know, become more and you'll attract, you'll attract people that are willing to wait. And more is subjective too, because it doesn't have to, you know, some people are going to probably say like, well, I'm not going to write a book or I'm not Beyonce or whatever. And that's, again, this is, this is all about finding confidence in yourself. And this time where we're all quarantined and isolated is a really good time to kind of reevaluate some choices and some, um, patterns that you see forming and think about what you can do differently. It can be something really small. Like I'm going to, you know, I started to learn a language and I stopped and now I'm going to actually learn it or I want to be knit or I don't even know what, but it doesn't need to be something big. It needs to be something that probably just gives you confidence and makes you feel like you're accessing a part of you that maybe unloads some creativity or gives you something to talk about with other people and something you're passionate about. And that is attractive at the end of the day. And I think that's what you're talking about, Rob. It's about finding the best version of you. It can be small or whatever, but you know, when you meet somebody and you're talking about physical attraction here, like sometimes it's not just 
that hot girl or hot guy walks in a room and you're like, damn, that person's hot. Sometimes somebody comes into a room or you meet somebody and a half hour later or two days later, you're like, that person was really cool. And it wasn't just an instant like physical attraction. It was something about them that attracted them to you or you to them. And you, and, and that to me often, and I think we can all relate here, it's like either a level of confidence or, and that's not cockiness. It's just like a level of confidence or they're really good at something. So they're interesting and then they become more attractive. So like, isn't that sort of the thing, like bettering yourself is, Finding something that makes you happy because that happiness is then sexy. Yeah, I love what you said about learning the language. But the thing is, is when you remove sex from the table, it's like, okay, what else do you have to offer? And that's what I'm talking about is having something else to offer besides sex. Because if a man falls in love with you, he's not going to leave you because you won't have sex with him. He will be more motivated to marry you. But he won't leave if he's in love with you because you won't have sex. Because all, all he has to do is marry you, right? To get the sex. So what I'm saying is you have to become more and have have other things to offer, other things that are attractive. Other, you know, maybe you learn to cook really good, or you know, I don't know, whatever whatever it is that you think is going to make you happy, maybe help you attract a husband. Besides giving out the sex and putting yourself in a position of disadvantage. Because now you're chasing the guy around for the thing, the, the security, which is the thing that he's in control over. That's actually a point that I made in the 10 Reasons video. There's a transfer of control that takes place during sex because when coming into a relationship, men and women have control over different things because men and women want different things. And it, if you boil it down to the base, men want sex and women want security. And I'm not saying that women don't like sex and I'm not saying that men don't like security, but I'm talking about at the base level, if you boil it all the way down and there's lots, I can prove it to you because let me ask you a question. If we were dating and we were, you know, we hadn't had sex yet. Who's going to say when we have sex for the first time, me or or you, the women, hundred percent, right? Men will take it as fast as you give it. Who's going to say when we get married, who's going to propose the man, because that's the thing he's in control over the security. He gives his last name and there's even, it's all biology. There's a great uh, Ted talk. I recommend your listeners look up on YouTube called how your brain falls in love. Women release oxytocin, which is like the hormone that makes you stick to somebody when they orgasm, when they have sex, men don't release that, that hormone until we commit. So that's why when a woman has sex with a man, she puts herself in a very dangerous situation because she's basically going to get stuck on that guy. And he, he hasn't gotten stuck on her. That's why guys can hit it and quit it. You know, they can walk away very easily. It's all biology. So women have to understand this and they have to play by the rules. And if you wait it till your wedding night, the man gives the security, the commitment, his last name on the wedding night. And the woman gives her body and the two lock together. They cleave, as the Bible says, they become one flesh and that will get them through all the storms of life to preserve the family unit. So they have great kids with a mom and dad and a loving home, which is exactly the way God wanted it to be. Unfortunately, people don't like to wait anymore. I don't like discipline any more than anybody else. I don't want to have to eat healthy to have six pack. I don't, don't want to work out. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And it's the same way in relationships. When you get it out of whack, Women especially put themselves in a position of disadvantage because now they're chasing the guy around going, I don't know when he's going to commit. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry to tell you, lady, he's in no rush because he's getting the sex. Okay, wait, real quick. Most, most of the time is either you, you, you know, the guy loses interest or you drift into a relationship, but it, the, the person's one foot in and one foot out like I was in every single relationship I've ever been in because I didn't wait. Now, did you not wait to have like actual sex or like, like if we're waiting, can you do other things or really just nothing? Like, can you kiss? Yeah. I mean, I would kiss. I mean, but the way I look at it, so you know, in Christianese, they call it a soul tie, you know, where you can basically get these attachments to people that are hard to get out of. So let's say, let's say, and people ask me all kinds of questions, but let's say we were dating. uh, Is that Jen that asked me that question? Yep. So let's say we're dating Jen and you're, you're giving me oral, right? And, but I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not ready to commit to you. I'm not sure if we're in love, but you're okay with that. And you're still going to give me oral. So I'm like, okay, at some point in the back of my mind, I'm starting to feel obligated to you. I start feeling like I owe you something. And if I did, Mrs. Wright did come along while me and you are fooling around. I'm not going to feel like I can just go talk to her and not crush you. 
You know, so there's there's some dynamic there. And that's what you have to be careful of. Because the thing is, is like, I'm not against sex. I don't think God's against sex. I think God invented sex. He wants you to have a lot of it. He wants you to enjoy it. He wants you to have more of it probably and, and better sex, but with the right person. You know, so the thing is, is once you're sure, then just get married and have all the sex. You know, that's what, that's what I want to do. And that's my plan. I don't want to get hung up with somebody that I'm not sure about. And maybe they're doing something for me, giving me a hand job, giving me a blow job or whatever. And now I'm feeling indebted to them and I miss my person. So you wouldn't, okay, that totally makes sense. But don't you think though that, yeah, I understand the more physical things that are happening. There is a little bit more of like an emotional tie that goes along with it or like a ob- feeling of obligation. But don't you think if you were, and maybe I'm wrong, but if you were into somebody and you, maybe you were just kissing and like touching, but like not anything majorly, like someone giving someone something else. Yeah. Wouldn't you still kind of feel bad if then someone like, you know, and that'd been happening for like three months or something. And if someone else came along and you were like, wait a minute, I kind of have a connection with this person too. Like, I mean, I still think you would feel bad if that person wasn't giving you a blowjob or not. Like, wouldn't you then? Yeah, you're right. No, even you're right. Even, even kissing could be, could make you feel obligated to that person. And it's also a very slippery slope. Like, Waiting is not easy, you know, so especially if you if you've already had sex, you know, maybe you've had a lot of sex. It's it's a slippery slope. You know, I've made mistakes because my boundaries weren't good. I'm, you know, sitting there with a girlfriend watching television and we started making out and, and ended up having sex. And, and I had been abstinent for, I think, three or four years when that happened. So, you know, ju- and, and, and I almost lost a friend and very easily could have gotten stuck with the wrong person because of the complications of that relationship after that. But um, yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with you. For me, I've, I think I've maybe, you know, kissed like two girls in the last eight years because I'm so careful with the fact that I don't want to, I don't want to lead anybody on. I don't want to hurt relationships and I don't want to, I don't personally, I think about it very selfishly. I just don't want to get stuck with the wrong person because I think it happens all the time to people because it's such a hard road to, to walk, um, you know, waiting and, and having boundaries that strong that people can't manage. They haven't learned to manage that appetite and how to be happy alone, that they just drift into relationships with the wrong people and then end up, um, not only missing their purpose, but I think a lot of times you miss your, your, or missing their person, but they also miss their purpose because. So for me, like, I didn't know what my purpose was on this earth eight years ago when I was physically, um, when I was sexually active. And I know that sounds crazy to people because they're, they're like, well, hold on. How, what's the correlation there? So what, what, you know, there's a, and I quote, I quote some scripture. So your listeners just have to, you know, bear with me, but there's a verse in the, the Bible that says basically like, no, let no, let no one be um, sexually immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. So if you don't know the Bible, that's not going to make a lot of sense to you, but they're, they were comparing basically people that were having sex outside of marriage to this story in the old Testament of these two brothers where one brother traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. And the first time I read it, I was like, well, what does that have to do with the sex? And what I believe the, the writer was saying is you're trading something that's permanent. Your birthright is something that lasts you your whole life. And I believe that that is like your person, it's your purpose and it's the person to help you get there. Cause you more than likely when you realize your purpose, you're going to need somebody w- with some gifts and talents to complement your talents that, that where you're maybe lacking. And I believe that that is like a soulmate, you know, whether it's one person or 1% of the population, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to get hung up on that argument, but I do believe that there's people that are at least, you know, a person that's a really right fit for each person. But when you're having sex, like, a lot of that energy that you would use and redirect to figure out what you're here for goes into bad relationships, toxic relationships sometimes that occupy all your your time and your your thoughts and everything because you get hung up and, and tangled up in these these things with the wrong people. So, you know, there's there's a book by uh, Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich, and he talks about sex transmutation and people that, that literally stop, they would take their sexual energy and they would 
harness it and reuse it to, you know, invent things and build empires and all kinds of notable achievements throughout history. And that's exactly the way it worked for me was when I stopped having sex, it was like a dam. You can dam a river, but eventually it's going to find, it's going to find an outlet and that sexual energy will figure out a way and you can create things. And that's how I wrote the book and started, I'm not even a writer. I wrote a book and started a nonprofit and, you know, just went on a world tour recently and did all amazing things because I had all this energy that I was using before, again, to chase women that I had to do something with. So I figured out my purpose. And now I believe that when I do meet my, my person that I'll be able to, to see, because I'm not being blinded by just the physical, that person will come alongside of me and help me now be the icing on the cake and to accomplish all these amazing things that I've already started. And you're really selling it. Like I am now like, man, I really need to wait. And I think that's probably the answer to all of my problems. And I'm sure, you know, many people out there feel the same one, because you're so enthusiastic about it too. You've, it's like proof is in the pudding and it does make so much sense as to why it's in the Bible. And, and people actually, you know, talk about it in various ways, like what you're saying, the parallel to Think and Grow Rich. But like, what would you say to people that are worried that if they wait, that when they finally have sex, they are, you know, they could be stuck with someone and the sex is bad, like, or they're not compatible or something. I mean, I guess you can work on that. But what if they're worried about that? And that's like something that prevents them from waiting because that they think, oh, God, then I'll be, you know. So I mean, and that's a question I've thought a lot about. People ask it all the time. So this is what I, I, I usually say in response is, okay, let, let's say you met someone, you have sex with them early, they're good in bed, you get married to them based off the fact that the sex is good. Maybe you guys get along well too. And then all of a sudden they get sick. Maybe they get hit by a car. Now they're paralyzed or they get cancer and they can't have sex regularly anymore. If your relationship's built on sex, what do you, do you leave? Because you might, you know? Yeah. And then at that point, really, you shouldn't get married because your vows don't mean anything. But if you if you fall in love with that person and now, you're, you know, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, you're connected to them and then you add the sex on top of it. And maybe they're not as, you know, everything that you would imagine they would be, but you're in love with them. You yeah. want to leave that person that you're in love with. It's the, it would be the same as if they got hit by a car. You work through it because you're in love with them. It's like a this is the way I look at love. Love isn't about me, right? That I was always very you know lust is about me. Lust is about do they tickle me right? Are they good in bed? That's lust. Love is about sacrifice. So if you look at like a a mother and a child, like a baby, how much does a mother love a child? A lot, right? How much, what would a mother do for a child? What would she give it? Anything. It's all about the child. It's like when that child's learning to walk, does the mother go, you know, you're an idiot because you can't walk yet? No. You know, like it's not, she's in love with it. So I think it may be, if anything, it might even endear you to the person more. So I don't think that, I, I, I think that that's just the lie, you know, from, to be honest, I believe it's a lie from the enemy. And it's what prevents people from doing the right thing. And it causes them to end up in relationships where they become one of the statistics, one of the 50% that get divorced or one of the 50% that stay together. And maybe they're just not happy, happily married. They're actually, and I wrote a book about it, Why Waiting Works, but 50% of the people that stay married after year four stop having regular sex. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're stuck in a marriage where you're not, you're not in love with the person and you're not having sex. Yikes. That is completely fucked. That is not a good combo. And honestly, I think that what, like what you said before, like, okay, well, I'm afraid the sex is going to be bad. So, and you know, that's a lie that people just like from the enemy. It, it is, that's true. It's also even, let's just be more general. It's an excuse. Like, you know, you can sex in relationships is about communication and that is a constant it sounds like a general blanket statement that's just like everyone says but it is really true and if you are in a relationship and you need to learn how to communicate it is a constant battle it changes all the time it's something you always have to maintain and sex is about communication and you go through ebbs and flows and even if 
You have amazing sex in the beginning. Even you wait to get married and it starts out great and then all of a sudden it's not. Like that can happen too or vice versa or outside of marriage. If you're not waiting, it could start out great and then it could get worse or vice versa. But the only thing here is all of it is an excuse because at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying sex and you're with somebody that you love and care about on whatever level, all you need to do is talk about it. Right. Yeah, like, I love it. You know what I mean? Just say, this is what I need. But that only really kind of comes with an actual respect and love for somebody like you're saying, Rob. So obviously you're not going to do that to some girl. You're just banging because you're like, whatever. Like you just, you'll just walk away. But if it's somebody that you want to make a commitment to, then yeah, you're going to make the effort to like communicate and talk about it. So bad sex, like, I mean, if it's really that bad and you can't fix it, like that doesn't even sound like a real thing. I'm sure you can fix it. Yeah, I mean, for, like, how many times have you heard people say the sex stops after you get married? All the time. I've heard it a hundred times from married people. And I'm like, well, if you wait, that's when the sex starts. That sounds a lot better than when the sex, like getting married, that's when the sex stops. And I love what you said about the excuse. So, I, like, you know, with this coronavirus, I, I had a roommate and and he was, you know, going in and out of the house every day because he was considered essential, even though I'm like, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm like... He's like, I'm not going to live in fear. That's what he said to me. And I'm like, that was an excuse for him to be irresponsible, you know? And I'm like, so people use this excuse. So you got to take it for a test drive. It's like, no, that's your excuse because you don't want to discipline yourself and do it the right way. You know, so people use that and it it just doesn't, it's not true. So And you don't have to base it in religion, Rob. Like you can, if that's your thing, I'm not a particularly like uber religious person, but all of this can be applied to just like making a life choice. It doesn't have to be because um, it's coming from a spiritual thing or a religious thing. It can be anything like this can be applied to, it doesn't have to, I think it's probably a little bit stronger for people who are coming from a religious standpoint. But um, I, again, it's just like your city fam. Like it doesn't have to be about just this one thing. There's different avenues to approach the same outcome. And if you're in, and we're talking about the quarantine really quick. So like, like your roommate that was kind of using this, like, I'm not going to live in fear as an excuse and all of that. What do you think though, if a relationship starts from the quarantine, let's just say, and it it kind of does help follow these rules of like really learning how to communicate, finding someone that you really care about, not just going on like a physical thing or like, and just having sex right away because you actually can't do it. Do you think this is going to help relationships last longer or start like a very good, strong foundation for people who are still trying to date during the quarantine? Mm, question. Let me, let me say one thing before I answer it. <clears throat> I was thinking about one of the, another one of the reasons that I made in the 10 reasons was, have you ever heard the saying, show me the hottest girl in the world and I'll show you a guy that's tired of fucking her? Yep. Yep. Okay. There's truth in that. Then this is how it comes back. And I don't know how many men listen to this show, but th- this is specifically for the men because a lot of times women know what I'm saying intuitively and they get it and they're like, okay, yeah, I understand how that puts me at a disadvantage and you know, whatever else. But men will think, well, that's them. That doesn't put me at a disadvantage. That puts me at an advantage. This is how it comes back on you. Because when you lead with physical attraction, I don't care how hot that person is, when you're not connected on a deep level, the physical attraction will go away and you will not even want to have sex with that person. That's why people cheat. And that's why Jay-Z cheat, you know, got caught cheat, cheating on Beyonce. It doesn't matter how hot she is. Because what happens is you, you, you have sex and now you drift into that relationship. You get into something complicated, you drift into the relationship, but the connection wasn't deep and you never put your heart through the process to find out if it was real or not. And now you're stuck together and now you don't even want it. And you'll end up having less sex in the long run than the person that waited and, and vetted that person on the front end before going to bed with them. And that's wow. how it back on you. And that's why, again, after year four, people stop having sex, regular sex after year four, the ones that stay married. So, and these are the consequences of not waiting. So the, and the people that are, you know, trying to date on the quarantine, um, they're probably having to sharpen their game up a lot, you know, because now I think men have had it for far too easy for too long, you know, where we didn't have to do a whole lot. We got very lazy where, you know, a couple of swipes and we could be having sex. So now they're having to have conversations. They're having to like maybe court women and, you know, text or, or at least, talk on these apps 
but I do think probably when this this quarantine is over, you're going to have a lot of breakups because you're going to have a lot of people that are stuck in the house together and they're going to realize, you know what, I don't even like you, you know. And I think you're going to you're probably going to have some babies. You're going to have a lot of babies, and you're going to have a lot of a lot of breakups when this thing ends. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I've even gone on some FaceTime dates with some people and like their first, you know, worry was like, well, what if we're talking for like, we don't know how long because we're, you know, cooped up in here and we don't know when we're going to be free at last. But what if we finally meet and then there's no chemistry? And like, what if there's, you know, the kiss isn't good or all of these concerns. So the guys are actually the ones who I think are more, they're showing they're afraid of that very thing. And it's like really interesting. Is there something that like we can be armed to say to them during those calls that are like kind of not reassuring them that that will come when the time is right and like it could be great, we don't know. But like, what can we say in response to them worrying about chemistry? Mm. I just, you know, I feel like if the chemistry is there on every other level, that the physical chemistry will match up. You know, I always love the saying, great, great relationships lead to, lead to great sex lives, not the other way around. I definitely think that there's some truth in that. But, you know, I think I think the reason that men are asking that question is, again, because we we've just had it too easy for too long where we just didn't have to do any work. Again, I was I was the king of this. You know, I was had plenty of one night stands and I didn't, I didn't have to work for sex. And I liken the whole situation to like, you know, imagine, imagine a welfare state, like a city, like where I'm from, Baltimore, you know, where the whole city is on, is on welfare and they're getting food stamps and nobody's going to work anymore. And, you know, people aren't going to reach their full potential like that. That's not how, that's not how you find your purpose and, and become your highest self. At some point you have to go no more free shit and then you have to go to work, you know, and that's, that's what I believe women have the power to make men do when they can stop giving out the physical and they say, listen, this is who I am. And I'm the next time I have sex is going to be on my wedding night. And, and, you know, if you're the one man, I'm going to put it on you and we're going to have great sex and, and I'm, and I'm going to be a great wife, but I'm not lowering that standard for anybody. And either some, some men will rise up and they'll, you know, meet you at your level or you'll find out what, you know, what they're really made of. And it's a scary proposition. I tell this, say this to all the women that are already having sex out there, because I, I I don't want anyone to think that it's too late to do this. If you've already um, been down that road, if you've already been having sex, maybe you're in a relationship and you're wondering if the love is real, the best way to audit a relationship is just to cut it off. And just stop and say, look, I'm not sure if we're built to last or if we're really in love or whatever. If the person's not proposing specifically, it'd be very easy to have this conversation and say, here's how we're going to find out. We're going to stop having sex. And if we're really in love, if we both become convinced we're in love, let's get married. But if we become convinced that we're not in love, let's stop wasting each other's time because I want to get married. I want to have sex again. I want to get married. And you're going to find out real quick if that person's a joker or not. It's easy. To do, I did. I did this in my last relationship, and within about three weeks, the clouds parted, and I could I could see very clearly that we weren't in love, and we broke up. So that that's what I recommend for for specifically for women that are in relationships to do out there if if they're not sure if the love is real. That is great advice because at the end of the day, again, it's all about this. This can translate into any aspect of your life. Like we've said, it's about motivating. Like use this time. To And it's not manipulation or anything like that. That's not to be confused. Like you're being forthright. You're saying like, this is what I want. And this is what I think will help me get there. And you just tell people what you think. Right now we're all isolated. We're all by ourselves. We have plenty of time to reflect. We have plenty of time to better ourselves. We have plenty of time to find the silver lining and and do the work while the, the rest of the world is sleeping. And I think it makes sense to just figure out what you want, be own it. And then motivate, right? Like anything in life, it's sexy for you, for other people. It it makes you feel great. If you have a motivation and you're not like on the food stamp category, like you compared it to Rob, like this will help with everything. And if that, if it comes down to this for dating and relationships with you, if that's what works for you and that's your motivation, then I think you just need to like commit to it and own it and, and use it to your advantage. And it totally makes sense. It does weed out 
complications. That's why we call our show It's Complicated, because it does make things complicated. And we love that this is like one way or one thing to try, um, religious or not. I think it can definitely translate to everybody. So really quick, remind people where they can find you if they want to keep educating themselves on some of your tips. I know you said you have the YouTube video, your book, you have the Truth About Sex tour, and then all of your social media stuff. Yeah. Uh, and again, you're, you're right. It's This isn't religious. I don't even view myself as a religious. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not religious. This is practical. This just works. It's just, this is just practicality. And that's the way I break it down in the book. And anybody that's that's listening, if they want to get a free copy of the book, they can go to whywaitingworks.net. They just have to pay for shipping and handling. They get a bunch of other bonuses as well. Um, and then you can follow me at Rob B. Kowalski on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And uh, check out City Fam. So we have a group starting all over the country. And, you know, as people read the book and they realize like, oh, shit, I think he's right. Uh, City Fam becomes a real nice solution for you to make the journey because again, it, it it's not easy to do it alone because when you're not when you're not hopping from person to person and you even have boundaries up so that you don't slide back into certain behaviors, um, you really need community and that and that is such a huge benefit of waiting because and it's something I didn't really talk about but when you're when you're not waiting you don't need community like you do when you're waiting when you're waiting you really need real community i'm talking about people that add value to your life um because all of a sudden you don't have you know sex to fall back on you don't have these these dead end relationships so now it's like okay you know who do i hang out with and 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 you start surrounding yourself with some really good people and as you start to figure out your purpose those people tend to like help you get there you know that's real community when your eyes are all pitching in for each other and that's really made the difference in my life so i won't say any more about that but check you can check it out at cityfam.com and you can join the fam and start getting our emails that's awesome thank you so much for joining our community rob and our listeners don't forget to tune in next week for an all-new episode where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff with our guest, author of the Dime series, Michelle Russo. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show, and it's complicated wherever you get your podcasts to rate and comment on our show. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meets. You can follow me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meets as well. And we'll be back next week. Love you long time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 